Welcome to Real Nerds. I'm Ryan. To my left is Brad. To my right, James. And right in front of me is Sierra. And Aaron. Yay! We need um, like a, we need like an exterior mic to put on the table for people who are. <laughs> yeah. Next week I'll remember to bring the uh, another the tabletop mic. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, this week good. me and James saw the Muppets. Nobody else did because they're not cool like me. Well, we refused to or let them go. Two of your friends just decided to go without you. Well, my wife guilted hey. me into seeing it. Also. Uh, we were all gonna go Wednesday, and then that, that fell apart, and that's not my fault. Yep. Anyways, you know, usually we do real news right now, but I'm gonna change it up. What? Here comes the curveball. Real mail. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we got mail this week. We did get mail. Ryan's this really excited about mail. I am. Yeah. <laughs> now we. Yeah. Except for the topic is not that exciting. I uh, every day I go to a, a Wells Fargo in Boulder, Colorado, and this girl there. Wait, why every day? Because I have to do. Deposits. Oh, for business reasons. Yeah, business reasons. Not because I want not like because you want to find out how much money bank. you got in the <laughs> like, bank. I'm like I'm going to go to Wells Fargo. Oh, hey, babe. Hey, baby. Totally. How many dollars I got today? <laughs> so we. Uh, so I go in there, and last week, you know, was the longest week of my life because i watched all the twilight movies and i found out that a teller there who always helps me aaron loves the twilight movies and books it's a different aaron it's not the aaron who attends yeah it's not the aaron who's staring directly at me what up and she's really mad today i don't know why yeah she is really kind of pissy but That's but weird. we but we we heart you I'm um okay anyways so i told her i said well you know if you like twilight so much you should please email me a defense for twilight and she did and it wasn't just saying you know twilight is good the end i like boys (laughs) she actually kind of put some thought into it so i'm gonna read it and you guys feel free to stop me at any time and chime in um so it says ryan hyphen guilty pleasures are something everyone needs twilight is a is an overtold story the girl who falls in love with a bad guy because she can she can see the good in him and gets him to see the good too i.e dirty dancing so, um, I don't okay. know if comparing Twilight to Dirty Dancing is a good argument, but... Uh, or if it's a good argument that it's a good movie. <laughs> but, you know, hey, Patrick Swayze, he had the time of his life until this year. Um, and it's not, about, it's not about necessarily the, like, the story archetype itself. Like, yes, that story in a general way has been told. Yeah. In this case, the way the story is told is offensive and horrible. Um, anyway, go on. So she says, then she continues that this version brings fairy tales in as a way to bring readers and viewers alike back to when they were a little girl and were wishing for their prince, in this case a vampire, to come and save them from their mundane life. Girls, do you wish for a prince to come and save you? Is that. I've had such a mundane life, yes. Yeah? yeah? But by saving her from is her your Is your prince life. Michael Fassbender? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and is, if I may, is your lust for him characterized by a kind of sexual terror? Because yeah. That's how the book's end. Well, um, and, and she doesn't, like, he doesn't bring excitement and, like, love to her life, and, like, now they have this great life together. What he brings is pregnancy and death, which is <laughs> in no way fun at all. Well, I mean, in the real world, pregnancy might be, but in this world, pregnancy is death. <laughs> So that's not fun. And back snapping. Um, oh. Oh. Everybody wants a little mystic and magic in life, you whether or not it in- that includes a vampire and or a werewolf. Bella is described as an average girl with an average life. But she's not. She's She is an empty girl with an empty life. She's a shell of a woman. Which is not the same. Like, 
if if she had friends and hung out with them on the weekend and they did stuff together, like that would be one thing. And then she's like, also now there's this boy in my life, like that would be fine. But she has nothing because she's poorly written, and then gives up whatever little she has for this dude. She needs a hobby <laughs> that isn't she a does. boy. <laughs> Maybe it's painting really bad pictures of dogs and putting them next to her bed. <laughs> oh god, that was the worst. <laughs> um. And then she continues to say, I would say she is not a bad role model for women. She is what they wish could happen to them. Ooh. Oh, honey. And the girls look at me like, I can't believe you just read that from another woman. Um, Getting swept off their feet by a man who will take care of them. Also, Edward wants Bella to go to college, and that was a heavy theme through the books and the movies. I don't remember him saying you should go to college, to tell you the truth. Well, I mean... Do do you? If it's in the book... Did, yeah. did anybody else see the first or any of the other movies? Well, does did he ever mention I, her going to college? I, I would remember. I would assume that that was that that is actually there because you know in like the second. Well, I know he doesn't he's... want her to be a vampire. Right. He wants her to live her life, but she cannot live her life not being a vampire because she's going to grow old, and Edward's still going to be the hottest guy in campus, <laughs> and she'll look in the mirror and, or Rio. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Also, it, Edward uh, wants Bella... Oh, I already said that part. Um, also, the author is Mormon, and her religion does play a huge role in the story. Yeah. They do not have sex till they're married. Also a heavy theme in the story. That is a good role model for young girls to have... To have, speaking as a teacher in a high school. I cannot now, count how many okay. times I hear girls talking about who they are sleeping with now, or the, who they are going to be sleeping with. Okay, the problem with the way they talk about sex in the books or in the, in the movies, I should say, is not that they're promoting abstinence. It's the way that they treat sex and the way that she reacts to sex. It's sort of a lack of maturity that is that surrounds yeah, that Yeah, you subject. know, I don't think... Not necessarily, like, not having sex until you get married is fine. Like, yeah, you know, it's totally whatever. fine. But when she's finally married, it's not like she is suddenly mature enough to actually deal with these issues. Like, I, I agree. It's, it's because, you know, they... They do deal with, you know, you shouldn't have sex till you're married, but it's really not Bella who doesn't want to have sex till she's married. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, her Edward, sexuality is never her own. Yeah, her it's she wants him so bad, but Edward's the one who turns her down because he, I guess he's still a virgin for 117 years. Is he? There yeah. was like a joke in the in that third in that one. Yeah, I don't. I, I that guess I didn't understand, and everybody else laughed, and I was like, that wasn't. Do I am I missing something? Yeah. Um, oh yeah well I yeah. think the werewolves are the most homoerotic part they're always running around without shirts on and they're running in like a group Like, plus I've got dude tribal tattoos yeah. I just assume those guys are gay <laughs> and then she uh, she said however I will agree that she can be a bad role model for girls we do want girls to grow up and be independent thinkers and want to and want to aspire to be something more than just a pretty housewife but again, he does want more for her, which is true. I mean, he does yeah, say that, but it's but if he really wanted to, he would just leave and, you know, tell her to get on with her life. I mean, she, I, she will ride a motorcycle to get him uh jealous. But I went on to read like an article in my new entertainment weekly uh, a couple of weeks ago that the screenwriter added that part. It's not in the books. Oh, really? Yeah. Why would you add building, such a stupid uh, motorcycle to Jacob? Or I so obviously I don't understand it because I never read the book, so, so I don't understand. She, how did she and Jacob become like 
friends and and you know fall in love if not through him building a motorcycle you know what i'll have to never read the books and let you know <laughs> um, um then she went on to say to me she's kind of taking a shot at me here um i would recommend that you also read the books the movies are not great because of the acting don't worry, I have them all, and you can borrow them. They should be easy for you since their target audience is 16. <laughs> That's oh, right. I made, I that made was fun good. Of, yeah, I, I made like fun of her stuff all day, all uh, week. So. I, I like you, Aaron. That um, was good. Also, the story gives girls someone to relate to. Getting your heart broken and trying to get back into the swing of things is not easy. Yeah, she is a bit traumatic in hers. I have a question. But again, yes. Well, in the second one, when he's like... I don't want to be friends with you anymore because you're gonna to want to be a vampire. And then she stares then, out the window for three months. <laughs> yeah, and then she like she has they like, have, like the title card. Like there's like November, and, and then, it goes 360. And then December. And then it never gets fixed. Correct? They they never see each other again, right? She never sees Edward ever again. No, she, she no, she does. Yeah, no, she does. No, she does because yeah, she no, jumps on a motorcycle of a bad guy, and he's like, wait. Well, so what you're, you're saying that because they get back together, that her heart was never no, broken, but he did that, like, like dump her and leave her. It's not her getting her heart broken and then having to piece her life. Oh, I see what you mean. Huge relationship. Yeah, she never, she never gets over it. She, she actually tries to kill herself. Until finally she See, gets her boyfriend I don't think, back. Which I, that's actually even worse. You're I don't right. think she You're tries to kill right. herself, though. Because she does... Um, she tries to... Doesn't she try to run a motorcycle off, off a grid? No, yeah. she jumps off a cliff because Edward has to come back and save her. Yeah, because she yeah. sees him. Like, she's not trying to kill herself. But she wants insane. Edward to save she's her. She's playing games with him. So yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she's trying to kill herself, per se. I think she's trying to get Edward to save... Playing games with him, exactly. Um... But, but finding someone behavior you can, you can trust and open up to after is just as hard. The books, do, the books do a much better job in describing how she begins to heal having Jacob, Wolf Boy, because I call him Wolf Boy all the time. Yeet. He's pretty funny in her uh, email. Around, but is not over Edward. Also feeling like you're out of place and do not belong is, feeling, is a feeling many teens have. But again, you know, it's the same argument that, that Aaron just had, that she never she never fixes that. She gets mm-hmm. this weird boyfriend that makes her actually even more isolated than from I the agree. rest of the world. And like I think she doesn't build friends. And this is my point trying to say that she's not a good role model for women she because she only identifies herself through the relationships she has with men. Yeah. And her relationship with Jacob is she uses this guy to make Edward jealous to come back and then they have this love triangle and she constantly uses him throughout the whole series. If I were her, I would be best friends with Anna Kendrick and that would be the whole story. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased. Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah. It would be it would be gay Twilight. Wait, this is. <laughs> you know what you um, could do, James, is just get cancer <laughs> and visit her in the hospital. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, having a character like Bella to relate to can be comforting to teenage girls, knowing the way to portray that girls belong somewhere. Wait, wait, wait! I skipped the line. I think. Sorry. Knowing they are not the only ones. However, having a male be the one to make her feel like she belongs somewhere and matters may not be the best way to portray that girls belong somewhere. Agreed. Yes. But uh, we all strive to find someone special who we can connect with and belong with. Someone we are perfect for and with. This may have been better if Bella was older than 17 in the story. I think that is everything, but if I think of anything else, I will email that to hyphen Aaron. I find myself strangely agreeing with her in that there are a lot of caveats where she will say something and then go, now, maybe it would be better if not, and then the horrible, the thing that makes it all horrible. 
you know, yeah, you know, she brings like, up good points. Yeah, like she says things that are nice about it that if you looked at it in a general way, you could see like, oh, okay, I see what she's trying to say, and yeah, that's not bad. But unfortunately, when you look at the details and you really, you know, break it down into what is the thing actually saying, what the thing is actually saying is horrible. You know. Yeah, I agree. I think the message is um, messed up in the delivery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because the character of Bella is a terrible person. Um, one, she's terrible to her husband, boyfriend, and then she's Wolf Boy. Horrible to Billy Burke. And horrible to her ha- her dad, calls him Charlie for three movies. Uh, and all he does is try to... And then starts hanging up on him. Yeah. Hi, Nate. You're a great person. And she calls her parents oh, by their names. Other names. You do? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Bob and Nancy. Just do. Yeah. Did they tell you to call your parents by, your na- by their names? I started when I was like 13. And they never had a problem with it? Nope. Hmm. You're like 40. Oh, but Sierra, you're an awesome person. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. Time for some real news. It's real news. Oh shit! This is the part where I have to do something. Yeah, because I don't remember reading anything. Brad, do you have anything? Week. No. All right. Uh, well, I did find one slightly interesting thing, which is that. This week they announced, and it's it's sort of expected. They announced that they're they're shooting the next Star Trek movie, and they're shooting it in 3D. That's uh, not shocking at all. Well, it is kind of to me, and here's why. Uh, last year at Comic Con, there was a panel that J.J. Abrams was on, and uh, was it the Visionary panel? No, it wasn't. Anyway, uh, and he said something about them not shooting Super 8 in 3D. And the entire crowd erupted in cheers and everything. And he he just sort of said it like as a footnote. Like he just said like, oh, we're not we're not going to do it in 3D. And then he was starting to move on, but because of the cheer, he had to stop and pause and wait. And he said he like, oh well, that that was interesting. And for a moment, you realize that you 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 understood the gap between the fans and Hollywood as far as how the actual people making movies, not the product, the producers and stuff, but the real people making movies, don't necessarily know how we fans are reacting to, especially these big changes like 3D. And so it was kind of cool, because for a second I thought, maybe this means he's never going to do it. Now, we don't know whether or not he decided to do it, or whether you know there was enough pressure that they really didn't want him to make it in 3D. Uh, I probably won't, well... I don't know. The truth is that a Star Trek movie is the kind of thing that I might see in 3D. Because the space stuff is what tends to work. Um, yeah. Because, like, I mean, you have a, a black background and yeah. stuff coming at you. And exactly. Because, you know, a lot of the problem with 3D movies is they're too dark. So if yeah. you have one bright object in it, then I think it actually benefit the movie. But again, I don't think 3D has ever added anything to a movie where I said, you know, <laughs> even the Transformers where I thought it was cool. Yeah. Harold and Kumar I thought it was pretty cool but i mean i wouldn't sit down and say i have to see that movie in 3d it's I would, changed it's a game changer i would say that it it did add something to how to train your dragon and jackass 3d <laughs> jackass 3d <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's different when it's something kitsch like that like with Harold and kumar um but like with how to train your dragon there were things where they they changed the depth rather than changing the shot itself yeah you know like, like where them playing with 3d changed the way that the the scene felt um or, or ramped up the intensity and that was really cool but it's the thing that I've said from the beginning which is that it has to be a single thing floating in space not connected to any of the frame and then a flat background and then it works other than that like you tend not to notice it and that's why like space stuff like the, the first few minutes of, of uh, Transformers 
I even said like I want to see a whole space movie because the first few minutes of Transformers were yeah, so cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. like following that ship through all of that stuff was really badass. Yeah, it was. And so there is a part of me that maybe Star Trek in 3D would be cool, but it's a sh- I as such a big fan of J.J. Abrams, there was a part of me that wanted him to just keep saying no. You know. Yeah, I read an interview. I think it was with Ridley Scott, and he said actually he likes actors in 3D because it no Scorsese said yeah. that the actors in 3D it feels like the performances are have more depth uh, in a strange way not like literally but yeah uh, he said that oh i do have a bit of batman news that brad you, i'm surprised you didn't hear about it um and this is a, a kind of spoiler but not really because it was like the very top of the article but they asked you know christopher nolan about bane and you know he said oh bane's the toughest guy batman's ever gonna face and um, that's not really news but the news is is that this movie takes place eight years after the dark knight oh shit wow yeah Wow. Yeah. That Almost I didn't expect. After, so that yeah. actually that actually makes sense then because with with how many, you know, with your Catwomans and all of that, like yeah. for for the universe to be that different. I that yeah. those are the things that made me nervous where I was like, how are you going to introduce Catwoman and get all of this stuff going? Well, if it's as easy as well it's been 8 years and he's Batman's been on the run so now Catwoman is you know, a vigilante slash thief. You know, then then that kind of stuff starts to make sense. So is it going to be like an eight years later title card, or is it? Are we going to figure that out through the narrative? You know, I don't know. He that's all he said. He only said that uh, he was. I mean, he, it's a spoiler kind of, but he's really vague in his description. He said takes place eight years later, and Bane, uh, Bane Bane's a total badass. Oh. <laughs> Batman character called I Bane. Would, Bane. Like, <laughs> I would not. Like, ex- I look so pretty all the time. <laughs> I would not expect him to actually have a title, a card that said. Eight years later, I would expect him to just set it eight years later. The and movie starts with the Joker s- swinging off the <laughs> building, and then he does his whole thing, and then it just cuts to eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, it, it, it might, but I, I think you're. Right. I think Nolan's too creative a filmmaker to just have a title card. That's, yeah. not, that's not in three D, is it? It's be no, on the eighth anniversary. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the Joker's girlfriend in the first Batman movie was named Bane. Remember, she had the mask and. She's really concerned about her looks. Uh, I forgot about that character. Yeah, and you, they, because that was that was pre Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's why when you said that, I was like, "Don't you just mean Harley Quinn?" But that was before Harley Quinn existed. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, I never thought about that. Batman 1989 is terrible. Wow, blasphemy! <laughs> it's not. Remember when Batman's animated at the beginning? Terrible. Yeah, because they the had rooftop. CGI already. <laughs> well, why don't they just film Michael Keaton walking into the room? There was a, they, don't have a, they don't have a giant cathedral to shoot top down from. Yeah, they do. How do you how do you not like Jack Nicholson Joker? I mean, it's He's not right. It's not as good as you He's know. He's like the '80s Joker, just a big clown prince, right? Yeah, '70s Joker. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'll I mean, the you, makeup is weird. You know, but... I, I don't mind. Um, I like when he becomes a Joker and he's laughing and stuff. I thought that scene was really cool. Um, but I, I don't like when Batman's Batwing is flying through the streets of Gotham and he pulls out a big gun and he shoots it once and it crashes. Yeah, that was crappy. That was stupid. And Batman just shoots around him. Come on. But the score is really good. It is good. There's and a song in that movie called "The Waltz of Death," and I and I like uh, when he's fighting the Joker at t- the top of the cathedral, and he says, "You never hit a guy with glasses, would you?" you know, puts on glasses, and Batman still socks him. Yeah. But everything else, man. I, hate, I really hate the scene in the hall in the alleyway where he catches bullets like Darth Vader. That was shitty. Yeah. Anyway, they say he drinks blood. <laughs> And I say you're full of shit, Knox. Yeah, I've seen oh, that movie a plus, lot. Though. Plus, they explain they explain the backstory of the Joker. Yeah, all right, that movie's not good. Never mind. 
and, and they make the Joker kill Batman's parents. Bye bye. Huh? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Uh, it's like an alternate reality comic book. Why? Why can't you go with it? Because it's stupid. And you know what? Michael Keane's not a very good Batman. What? Uh, I think Batman Returns you know is better than you the know first what? Batman. Michael Keaton's not That's a very ridiculous. good. <laughs> just anything. Let's just say this for a Batman podcast. All right, let's fight. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I guess. Oh, that's Brad. all the story I had. Yeah. That's all the news I have. Yeah, it's not, Sorry, yeah. everybody's on holiday break. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, Brad, what have you been watching? I guess you've been watching a lot, and you wanted to tell us about it. Yeah, I've uh, pretty much all I can do in my apartment while I'm unpacking is watch <laughs> movies. So um, it was fun, though. Yeah, I watched a bunch. Although I went out and saw two, and I forgot to talk about one of them last week. I went and saw the Giorgio Moroder version of Metropolis, which is basically the With old the black and white movie. One? Or would you mean the original Metropolis? Original Fritz Lang one. Oh yeah. Well, I guess wait, Giorgio Moroder's a... Fritz Lang's Metropolis. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, how is it different than Fritz Lang's Metropolis? All '80s synth music. <laughs> okay, nice. so it's just that they changed the music on it. Yeah. Well, it, it's a silent movie. So right. Yeah. Like, the only thing audio-wise you can change, like the, I think, um, like they just released that full edition. Like yeah, they where they got found their that, footage. That, like, this one doesn't have that. Oh, okay. So it's whatever cut they had in like 1982 or whatever. Weird. But um, yeah, it's all 80 synth music. It's super cheesy, and did I fell you... asleep towards the end. So <laughs> did you really? Um, well, I the end help... is when it gets exciting. I saw anonymous before that, so it was like a double feature, and I was exhausted from oh, moving. Okay. So I huh. I just tried to stay awake. It wasn't that it was boring. It's just my See, brain just shut off. I can't sleep off. in public places. That's a creepy thought, like, because I was one of three people in the theater, so I could be murdered. Anyone could have touched you. And actually, a guy did sit, like, right behind me, too, so. They put up a, uh, you know, a caption bubble next to you. This guy blows goats. I have proof. Uh, Oh, man. Um, So, yeah. So, did you enjoy Metropolis? I did. I thought it was was more science fiction. Like, there'd be more, it's more like the production design uh, like yeah. there's the underground that's kind of science fictiony, but the rest of it's very just like 19 well there's also a robot that turns into a lady yeah and like for maybe one scene like i i don't remember yeah. seeing her for more Except than just that, that you have to imagine that she's the robot the yeah yeah and then there's like um like the sprawling city shots like they have that track right the running track and then they have the matte painting and then like it's not the restored version so you can see like the layers crossing each other yeah it's just kind of funny yeah anyway so yeah i saw that and i was I tried to watch the restored version this morning and I didn't get through it in time. But, huh. um, but yeah, it was weird, like, because the restored version has like an orchestra, and then I was just, just trying to imagine the synth music the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah. Do you um, feel like the synth music actually sort of fits with the movie? In a way, it kind of does. Because uh, I saw the orchestra, the or- orchestral, orchestral version. version. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe it's just because like it's the first time the issue of me seeing it the first time is this synth like i just kind of yeah getting immersed in that first like that's the way i was introduced to it so i kind of missed it when i was watching the orchestral but the orchestral seems very natural to the movie yeah so huh um so yeah i saw that um then the other midnight i saw was actually i'll save it for last because it's incorporated into our main movie um then i saw i'm gonna talk about it too at home i saw um tron legacy again but we already talked about that and then the vanilla ice movie cool as ice <laughs> which, wait uh, that's a thing which is not cool at all <laughs> <laughs> why did, what made you watch that because it was on streaming I, I, um i did i do that every once in a while i'm like this movie looks stupid i'm gonna watch this <laughs> you know like vanilla ice is in the ninja turtles movie so i was like i gotta see and i remember seeing the commercials when i was a kid mm-hmm. my friend dax shepherd was super into vanilla ice and uh he tried to convince me to get dax to see shepherd 
Shepard, uh, Dax Jordan, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's an actor. <laughs> yeah, we hang out. <laughs> famous. I don't want to hang out with him. I just want to hang out with his wife. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, uh, sorry, Dax Jordan. Um, <laughs> he was a big Vanilla Ice fan. He tried to get me the CDs or tried to get me in, like to listen to his music and stuff. And like I think I asked my mom to, like, to take me to get the CDs. And she's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I thank her for it because I don't own those. Oh, absolutely. So, Word to your mother. Yeah. You know, after that, uh, right after that, you know, Ice Ice Baby, uh, they have a really stupid song afterwards. I forget how it goes, but it's... Uh, God, now I sound like an idiot, but... He like shouts like these stupid words throughout the whole thing. Yeah, he does that in the in the movie too. There's like R and B music, and then yeah, he'll so get wait, to do a song. So and what then... is the movie? Yeah, the movie is oh my god! <laughs> I thought I was watching uh, the beginning of Hot Shots where um, <laughs> that chick's riding the horse, right? Yeah. And then he's driving a motorcycle. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, that same thing happens in the opening of. <laughs> I thought I was watching that movie. Does All of a sudden, I was like, where like have this? I seen this before? <laughs> He um, he, well, first they go. They're riding into. T- he has, he's got like a biker gang, and they have crotch rockets, not Harley's. They drive into town, and then the one guy's uh, cycle breaks down, so they have to try and fix it in the middle of the street, and it pisses off all these people. And then they just kind of stand up and look at him, and then those people in the car talking their horn kind of cower a little bit because they're like, "Who are the-? like they've got the '90s rave wear going on and everything?" And <laughs> like, oh my god, sorry. And then um, so they tow that one guy's uh, motorcycle to this house in the suburbs which looks like an, which looks like an educational center and it's it's home to like this old mechanic and his goofy wife they've got like globes maps of the world on little pedestals as their fence and then like multicolored roofing and <laughs> siding and then there's like a picture there's a map of the world on the roof that has little steps so you can walk up through uh it's it looks like an educational center for kids but it's just a house and somehow they know this guy but he um, they know each other but they also kind of pick on him and he'll still fix their bike and then while they're waiting for the oh also on the inside there's just words all over the wall <laughs> just random words I didn't memorize them but you know they're staggered like small big and I'm sure they're words that Vanilla Ice kind of just says in oh, I, remember, I remember what the CD says it says it's like this really annoying it says yo vanilla kick it one more time boy <laughs> all written out yeah uh, so while they're waiting for the bike to get fixed um, oh sorry on the way from town uh, Vanilla Ice is driving his motorcycle and there's the chick on the horse like in her corral riding along the fence he, is the chick Naomi Campbell no, the... she's just singing in the background at one point. <laughs> <laughs> at the very, very beginning of the movie, which is inconsequential to everything, um, they're at a club, and uh, it's got kind of like this Joel Schumacher camera flying through candles and lights thing. And then um, he's like, the group starts walking out of the club, and the what's one blonde chick stops him and gives him her, her number. And then it moves on to the next scene of like riding through town. Anyway, he um, as he's riding along the highway, and the girl's riding her horse, he just ups his bike over the fence and cuts her off, <laughs> and the horse falls over and knocks her over. Wait, wait, <laughs> did she die? No, she just and gets she up. Fucking neck. She gets yeah, up. He kills all a horse with his motorcycle. No, he just knocks it out. <laughs> but she gets up, dusts herself no. off. She's like all it's annoyed, and they have some exchange, and she storms off, uh, leaves the horse behind, <laughs> and then he's I like, "Yeah, anyway. she likes me." <laughs> Hey, uh, James, you should uh, read the yeah. description no, of it on no. IMDb. <laughs> IMDb refers to it as a rap-oriented remake of Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> uh, 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 
I didn't see Rebel Without Cause. So, uh, I guess this will be my closest interpretation. Allison so D anyway, plays the role of princess. <laughs> that girl storms off, and then they go get try to get the bike fixed. And while they're waiting, Vanilla Ice walks out of the lawn and sees um, this Corvette pull up, and it's a uh, the guy and that same D. girl. Like that's her boyfriend. So that same girl just happens to live across the street from where their destination was. And then he walks over there and tries to hit on her in front of her boyfriend. Like he's not even there. And that guy doesn't even get bothered that much. He just kind of like stands back and lets them talk and kind of looks back and forth a little bit. Maybe Stephanie Myers watched that and she wrote that (laughs) inspiration for Twilight. Yeah. So with his little snide remarks, like kind of starts getting her interested in him. And then, um, then there's, there's a bunch of exchanges like that where they try to get closer to each other. And then there's this side plot of two hitmen <laughs> watching this girl's house because her dad... Um, took all the globes. He was the map of everything. I, I, I was kind of half watching it too because it was very disinteresting. <laughs> but I guess her dad was into some shit. And so they're, on, they're actually in a witness protection program since before that girl was born. So later on... <laughs> When there's when her little brother gets kidnapped by the hitman, you know the dad has to explain what's going on to her, and he's like, "Look, this isn't my real name, and you're not who you are." And um, <laughs> Vanilla Ice is secretly good fellows. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so while uh, before that happens, Vanilla Ice uh, is trying to court the girl, and at one point. Uh, like she's on her bed thinking about him and he's off doing his other like partying and stuff. And then the next morning she wakes up and he's laying in bed like next to her. Like he broke into her house <laughs> somehow without learning anyone. And then uh, like she's like, can you get out? Cause I'm, she thinks it's, she actually enjoys the fact that you know, like she woke up next to him and then she tries to get changed. And then her little brother walks in the room and the little brother met him earlier when he's like visiting the house and the little brother is just like oh cool you're here <laughs> not that who's this guy in my sister's room and where'd you come from and then the kids tries to start dressing like vanilla ice throughout the movie and trying to be like him and then anyway so there's a typical thing where vanilla ice and the girl like become infatuated with each other and then he does I, actually i think she does something to piss him off and so he leaves her yeah, because Vanilla Ice would never piss anybody off. Like she breaks his heart, and then uh, later on, like yeah, the the little brother gets kidnapped, so he comes back and like tries to track down the hitman, and he rides into the hitman. He and the whole biker gang ride into the hitman's hideout and just like run over everybody and like kind of do the lasso thing, <laughs> and then um, they uh, drive back into town to the girl's house with like the hitman strapped to the uh, this car's windshield and. Turn them into the cops. That's so goofy. <laughs> this movie, directed by uh, a gentleman named David Kellogg. Oh, that's uh, the other thing. Who is who is the director of such films as Inspector Gadget, 1999, and Playboy, The Best of Wet and Wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, what's even better? Guess who the DP is? Who? Janusz Kaminski, Spielberg's DP. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's shot well. <laughs> what the shit? But, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess you got to start somewhere, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is pre Schindler's List, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I read in uh, in my Friday Thirteenth book, the editor for Friday Thirteenth Part Six is one of Spielberg's editors, and he wasn't going to take it, but Steven Spielberg said, "You take every job." Mm-hmm. So maybe that has to do with him taking <laughs> cool as ice. And did the kid say, "Oh my gosh, you're so cool"? Well, as cool as ice. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I wish. That been the perfect exclamation point to the to the movie. So that was yeah. I watched that, and then um, I also watched Take Me Home Tonight. Oh yeah, which was, was not really like there's a couple like maybe three funny lines, and then the rest of the movie just is like on auto autopilot. Like gr- guys trying to chase this girl who he had a crush on in high school, and of course she randomly shows up, and he finds ways to hang out with this party, and then he. Um, Pretends to be a Goldman Sachs accountant, and uh, he's actually good with numbers because he's actually a, um, had a degree in something science related. Um, and then later on, you know, she's like, "Oh, you lied to me. You're not a Goldman Sachs <laughs> accountant." And yeah, it's... no, I love Topher Grace. He's no, really yeah. good as Venom. Did it feel like it was? Uh, did it feel like it was making fun of the '80s or actually placed well in the '80s? It was placed well in the like. It felt like you know the late 80s oh, okay. 86 87 but it wasn't like raun- that raunchy or uh, funny or uh-huh. like then the story wasn't that interesting See, i love that 70s <laughs> yeah. show i think that show was so funny i enjoyed it as well um but i used to watch it to go to sleep that movie didn't sound good yeah did not yeah i, I thought it'd be no nah, never mind <laughs> all right yeah i can't then, stop staring at this picture of an ice on the with the Turtles two director's <laughs> chair that says Vanilla Ice. Oh wow! <laughs> ninja, anyway. ninja, rap. Now he's all grunged out. Oh. And then you like this. I watched Mortal Kombat today. Nice. First one streaming. So. It's not that bad. Yeah, I was actually impressed with the Goro puppet. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually pretty. It's all right. The, like, the, the the voice doesn't sync up at all. No, but. <laughs> not at all. I mean, there's some cool parts. The only problem with the Mortal Kombat movie, it's Mortal Kombat and it's rated PG thirteen. So. Like the one fatality, a scorpion, a scorpion <laughs> on himself. Yeah, and then they had a friendship where Johnny Cage leaves an autograph picture of him. That's, I mean, that's it is well, I thought Scorpion was hanging on to that. Like I missed a part earlier <laughs> yeah. where he secretly like infiltrated. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you didn't because that part is like a lot of uh, Paul W. Sanderson movies. Where all of a sudden people just start fighting like out of a random place because they. I think they tell Johnny Cage his next fight is in the forest, and he just starts walking, and all of a sudden Scorpion shows up. Yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and a stupid thing out of his hand. And then you can teleport him into, like, the outer world. Yeah. Or, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Why not just keep doing that until he just gets all disoriented? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all right, though. It could be worse. The chameleon CGI is terrible, though. Oh, yeah. But... Man, I like the Shang Tsung character. And then Katana and Liu Kang fight, but... They don't have to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they really didn't explain it very well. She's under like control of Shao Kahn because he's evil. They could make a really cool Mortal Kombat movie if they just had it about Sub-Zero killing Scorpion's family and Scorpion coming back for revenge. Aren't they doing that? Oh, I don't know what the movie is, but they're making it. Yeah, they're making a new one. Yeah. Off the dude who made the web series, which isn't that bad either. But you can't buy it at Best Buy. And you can't buy the Evil Dead 25th anyway? anniversary at Best Buy. Are those shorts on a DVD? Yeah. Oh, okay. Blu-ray only, actually. Oh, well, whatever. But still, you know. Huh. Stupid. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. What'd you guys watch? Kim? Um, well, I wanted... Yeah. You haven't caught up on The Walking Dead, so I can't talk about it in detail, but this week's episode of The Walking Dead is possibly the strongest episode of The Walking Dead since the since the premiere. It And we sort of talked about this before the podcast, but... Uh, it's not that anything special happens in this episode. It is just that this is a well-crafted, strong, interesting episode. It's amazing. That, I mean, they've they've been interesting so far, but the show is getting better every week. Um, which is it's sort of finding that groove that it it needs to find. Yeah. Part of it is that it's not 
it has sort of found a place where it really is sort of following the story of the books more closely than it has been in the past. I think that's part of why it works so well now. But um, but I think uh, the one character that's still around has been the best part of the show. Um, some people will say it's. I um, I think that it's. I think that what they've done with stretching that plot out uh, for people who have read the books and are caught up on the show and know what Ryan and I are talking about. <laughs> what sorry, what yeah. they're stretching out. Maybe we spoil it, I but. think is really good. No no no, we can't spoil it. <laughs> I think what they're stretching out is really good. But how great and, was the scene when he came back and talked to Dale though? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, now, you just put your finger on it. You can't. I know what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, you know Finally. what character we're talking about, but the truth is uh, you don't know You don't know how things are going to happen, so it doesn't. Yeah, it's amazing. It doesn't spoil everything, but um, yeah, no, it is. It's it great. It really is. What they've done is fantastic, and the relationship between Laurie and, and Glenn, which has never really existed in the book, is really interesting, and, and part of why I come back to that show every week. Um yeah, my mom watches that show and uh Really? That's yeah, awesome. after two episodes she's like, This is boring. What? Not the, the first, first two season, episodes? The two episodes of the new season. She's like Oh. And you know, yeah, well she gotta she gotta try and catch up because <laughs> the truth is that I would I can see how somebody could feel that way and where the show is going now, I don't think you would think it was boring at all. It just was a slow burn at start, at the beginning. Um but anyway. Yeah, I just hope they, you know, find Sophia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well I, I have a feeling that, that yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that'll it's coming. Yeah. Because the truth is, we're only six episodes in. Yeah, we that are in, as far lost. into this season yeah. as the last season was long, um, yeah. which is exciting. Uh, and the other thing was, I I finally got around to watching the last of the three Muppet movies that I wanted to watch before the new one, which was the Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, that's the um, other one I saw at midnight. Right, I was waiting yeah. To share. Um, which I don't think I've ever seen the Muppets Take Manhattan, and it was really good. It was better than I. It was better than uh, the Great Muppet Caper, which I I didn't really care for. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's surprising how those movies stand up because you know some of them rely so much on their cameos that if you don't know the people that are showing up, you're like, oh, well, that wasn't you know. Um, but that movie is actually interesting, and there's enough sort of uh, plot surrounding those characters that you you're actually you know emotionally connected to what's going on it's just not oh here's some silly things all strung together it's still not as good as the first movie and in my opinion still not as good as treasure island um but enjoyable you know i would buy it sometime but not soon (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of it brad yeah it's all right yeah and the whole plot it's kind of a simple plot they oh yeah um, is this right after Muppet movie or Caper? This is after Caper. So this is the Muppet Take Manhattan is the third, third Muppet movie. Okay, that's um, weird because it seems like this is right after they had their TV show. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it may have been because at this point it was in the eighties. But anyway, it, they're they're going to Manhattan because they want to start a Broadway show, but they don't have any money. Based on their college show, which I didn't know they were going to college. Yeah, yeah, no, that's just <laughs> sort of at the beginning they they well it's like they play a college. And then they start telling people that they graduated from college, yeah. or like that they went to college as if they were actually educated. Um, uh, so they go to Manhattan to, so that they can set up a play, and they don't have any money, so they befriend a waitress and try to raise money. Oh, everybody else leaves. Yeah, like they don't actually help Kermit try to raise the money. Kermit sticks around and hits on this waitress, and Piggy gets mad, and then 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 like Kermit gets the money. Years. And calls everybody back, but then he gets hit by a car and forgets who he is. And then they have to find him 
so that they can put on the show. Um, also, Miss Piggy is a way better role model for girls than Bella. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say it. <laughs> okay, sure, okay. I, I still don't like Miss Piggy. I never have. So you know that whole argument that the original creators had about um, like the type of humor in the new movie? Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a joke uh, with uh, Rolf in um, the uh, the producer's office where uh, there's a fart joke in the oh. office, and they're like, Rolf's like, "Why always blame it on the dog?" <laughs> there is, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, so there is. I don't know what they're complaining about. It's not oh, that. I read. Yeah, that. I well, found another if, thing they're complaining about too. Well, and here's the thing. I, I mean, this is talking about a little early, Brad, but the fart joke that they are talking about that's in the movie is taken out of context and is actually really making funny. fun of fart. Yeah, it, it is really funny, but the joke itself is Always a making fun of it. itself. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's fart shoes, and he's yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like the, the it's the normal like Fozzie has bad jokes, and that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. yeah that's anyway. awesome. Up in arms over nothing. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there's another. I in, read in fact, in fact, there movie. are things to complain about in this movie that are beyond that that we'll talk about but anyway uh Muppets Take Manhattan is good and that's a, pretty much everything I watched this week um, um I just watched uh, I've been like busy for some reason but it didn't seem like I was busy it was really bizarre I just watched Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows part two again and it's amazing on blu-ray man beautiful I also saw this week's uh this there the this year's the parade which is garbage Yep. And during the parade, they had the uh, they had a song from the Spider Man musical, which I had to mute. Oh, yeah, For one thing, there were eight Spider Men. There were eight Spider Men dancing. I didn't see the rest of it. Oh, oh there were eight Spider Men dancing, and they're singing some garbage song, and I just had to turn it off. Wait, it was just... wait, you too? I mean, Bono writes terrible songs. No, YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> uh, anyway, and that was bad too. But. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll go right into the movie that only me and James saw. James, should people go see The Muppets? Heck yeah. Yeah, The Muppets is awesome. Um, but hey, trailer time. We're trying to get the old gang back together again. We haven't done this in a long time. Your fans never left you? The world hasn't forgotten? Sure, it's impossible, but we've got to try. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets. Yes! Come on, guys, let's go! Wow. I can't believe we're all back together. Yeah! Sorry. I was super excited. The Muppets have always been about artistic integrity, not cheap tricks. Check it out. Fart shoes! This is going to be a really short movie. What's that over there? A what? Hi! Uh, ow. Ow. Throw me over. I think that's an electric fence. It's an electric fence? Yep. Maybe you don't need the whole world to love you, you know? Maybe you just need one person. Oh, Kenny. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny! care what anybody says i believe in you and you (laughs) (laughs) 
You think we should have rented a bigger car? This Thanksgiving, there's no movie like a Muppet movie. Jason Segel, Amy Adams, Kermit the Frog, and Miss Piggy. Ow, that hurt! The Muppets. I loved this movie. I really did. I thought it was really cute and funny. And uh, I, I. Because right away, it, it starts off that Jason Siegel has a brother and he's a Muppet. And so the whole opening montage is them growing up and Jason Siegel keeps on growing up and the Muppet stays the same size. So they have like their lines, you know, because their parents are measuring them and it says Walter, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's, it's really funny. And. Yeah. Uh, it, and they never explain why he has a Muppet for a brother. And you just really have to buy into this world that a Muppet could be somebody's brother. And they live in Small Town, USA, mm-hmm. is the actual name of it. And it's it's really cute at the beginning. Well, because isn't, isn't the first movie, like, doesn't Kermit come from right outside of Small... Isn't, isn't Small Town, USA already Muppets canon? I don't remember. I feel like that's true. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'm making that up. Anyway. But yeah, it's and it starts. It has that big sunny colors, and uh, the opening musical number is really catchy. Yeah, it is. And then That's probably yeah. <laughs> I loved uh, you know right at the beginning, uh, Jason Siegel's on his way to see his girlfriend of ten years, Amy Adams, because they're gonna go see uh, go to L.A. for their tenth anniversary, and gonna go see Muppet Studios while they're there. And he, she's a school teacher, and he walks into her classroom, <laughs> and she's changing the brakes on a car is she changing oil or changing the brakes no it's something really complicated yeah like it's, and, or the drive she has a, she has a whole car in, in her a classroom, classroom. <laughs> and she comes out from underneath it and says and that's how you change the drive shaft and the kids yeah. she's like and oh time to go on a break and the kids are like no we want to stay and learn it's really yeah. funny <laughs> oh um, man and then she has this huge because he's bringing walter with him on their 10th anniversary and she has this really big uh ballad where she's singing out of a raining window and then at the end of the song, the gardener pulls a hose down and he's just spraying the window. <laughs> <laughs> silly stuff like that. The movie oh. is really silly. Yeah. But uh, really it's, good. Uh, it's funny because uh, sort of the the movie takes place in the world that those movies always have where the Muppet Show was a show produced by Muppets. They, they've yeah. made, they have made those movies and those movies were successful. And now it's been a long time since people talked about the Muppets. And so one of the themes, uh, and it's one of the things that I... I want us to talk about is that like there's this whole question that if the Muppets try to come back and make a new show will anyone pay attention or care and you know there are there's questions about well you know is our world more cynical than it was then and will that world not accept it is the the kind of comedy that's in a movie like this which it is it's a different kind of comedy than we've seen in a long time not just not just the meta but the little silly things like that the um you know the fact that you have these characters that are especially characters like Fozzie who are themselves a joke um and who somebody pointed this out to me that and I didn't even notice this until until then that you know these characters were created to be um like like Dr. Teeth and the band were created to be making fun of or mirroring the popular bands at that time and now when you go back to those characters those characters aren't modern they're reflecting 
they're reflecting they're still stuck in that time zone you know so they don't even necessarily reflect the same things that they did then you know it's not the same joke anymore um and it's it's fascinating the way that they deal with that because it's and on one hand it's really funny but at the same time i saw this movie on wednesday and the theater was not crazy packed and so at the same time every time they would bring those questions up i would go yeah like what if no one goes to see this movie like what if they what if they talk so openly about like you know maybe the world isn't okay with the muppets anymore and then no one goes to see the muppets yeah i thought that was actually one of the most heartbreaking themes throughout the whole movie oh yeah because they actually would talk to you like when kermit would talk it's like he was talking to you oh absolutely. and he was saying like how irrelevant they are now that they don't matter because no one cares anymore and you know fozzy went off to reno and he's in this like tribute band called the moppets and it's <laughs> it's really it's because i like the muppets and so kind of like it's sad but it's also cool to see him on screen and um and there's there's a really maybe the most disappointing thing about well and this, i shouldn't say it that way but the, the moment i was most disappointed in the movie was you know there's always been the joke where kermit will start to do a like a he'll start a speech and then somebody will interrupt him and there's one of those in this one but when he starts that speech the speech he starts is something like you know i believe that kids are smart and i believe that kids are good and that they understand story and he's starting to say like i think we can make kids movies and kids tell kids stories and entertain kids in a way that doesn't talk down to them and is entertaining to everyone and you know gives them good messages and you know that's the story the speech he starts and i wanted that speech like i wanted him to tell us like to you know i wanted it to be a little convicting and and us go like oh yeah you know with the exception of the pixar movies there's just this dirge of crap for kids um and it's yeah it is it's sort of sad at the same moment that it you're so excited that there's you know a muppets movie yeah you know and at a certain point they are basically putting on the muppet show and you're you're i mean i unfortunately wasn't young enough to watch the muppets the muppet show when i was a kid but even even in me it had this this place of like when they started that song i went i was six years old again like i was watching the muppet show and i was a little kid and i thought i want them to put the muppet show back on you know so it, it was really exciting and, and fun to see and at the same time you're going oh man what if this doesn't work like i want this bag back so bad and i'm so terrified that it won't stick yeah and it, i uh, one of the big complaints uh the reginald puppeteers had about it um, I was reading is that Kermit lives by himself with not Miss Piggy anymore. That he's in a mansion by himself. Yeah. And Miss Piggy went away. That's like their biggest sticking point in the plot. But to but, me, it's, I thought it was more poignant because it's after the show, what do the Muppets have? Yeah. And they kind of went their own way. Yeah, and because they, the story is that like like Kermit has to be isolated because they're all they're all separated, you know. And and the, the this movie is about bringing them all back together. If if it was him and Piggy together. Like they would have each other, and then it's a question of you know getting the rest of the gang back together, which isn't as as convicting. And at the same time, you know, yes, they get they actually they get married at the end of Muppets Take Manhattan, but I don't really feel like their relationship is one where I want them to always be together. Like part of the part of the fun with those two characters is this sort of will they won't they pig and yeah. frog, and you know? Take Manhattan like, most of the time, like Piggy will say how they're getting married, and Kermit just slightly. Slightly exactly. blows it off, like exactly. he won't yeah. say anything, or because it's oh the, yeah, the and, chase he, and that the... yeah, that little sort of thing in him is part of his character, and it's funny because I I 
uh, I'm glad that I went back and watched those old movies because I think if before that you had said something about, oh, there's going to be a Muppet movie, I would have remembered the Muppets the way that I remember like Sesame Street where they're all sort of pristine, perfect characters, you know, and they sing these songs in that fun. But the truth is part of what's so good about the Muppets is that they aren't, you know, like, yes, Kermit believes in people and, and wants to get the best out of people. But the truth is that he's he's weak and he makes mistakes and he, you know, one of the conflicts of those, I don't remember which movie, but there's a scene, oh no, in Muppets Take Manhattan, he yells at the rest of the cast, like, he gets really angry with them, uh, and you realize, like, oh, this is actually a real dude, and and in that way, he's allowed to not be married to his wife anymore, because he's allowed to make that mistake, because he's supposed to be a real person. Also, yeah, also Muppet marriages aren't legal. And that's why he's my favorite Muppet, I, I think, because Kermit's so relatable, and he's so yeah. likable, but at the same time, he has his flaws. And I think it's a, really a testament to not only Jim Henson, even though he died so long ago, but he created this mystique about Kermit the Frog that, you know, he yeah. might be green felt, but he's still a real character and he has this great personality. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's when he got up and started singing the Rainbow Connection, I was like, it like brought me joy. And like, yeah, uh, you don't like, I don't want to say cry, but like you had this. I don't know this chokingness in you when you wanna. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's an amazing movie, and I I don't know what people are so worried about because I think um, the script by Jason Siegel is actually treats them with tons of respect. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, because part of what the movie is about is that nostalgia, and you can see, um, you can see how much he loves these characters yeah. in the way that he writes even the character that he like he writes his character and his brother Walter to be these characters that are absolutely in love with the Muppets and see, you know, how special that group was and why that needs to come back. Um, and 80s robots in it. It's pretty funny. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was one of the best jokes. <laughs> and then they did uh, this montage. Uh, well, they went and they started... Um, they went to get Fo- uh, Fozzie and... Um, and they had this huge, like, speech and everything. And uh, which one of them said that... Said, or we just do a montage to get the rest of the Muppets. Oh, yeah. I think, I think Jason Siegel. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. No, it's not. No, it's... Uh, uh, who is it? It might, be, it might be 80s Robot. It might be 80s Robot. Yeah, he says, why don't we just like, do a montage? Yeah, time for a montage. Yeah. And then uh, they're in there, and uh, Rolf says, wait, why'd you guys show me? Uh, I was pretty interesting. And <laughs> they cut to him, and he's sleeping on a hammock, and Kermit says, hey, Rolf, you want to come back and do it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. And there are there's a lot of there's a lot of really good meta jokes where they're they're they they straight up are talking about the fact that they're in a movie, yeah. which is you know classic Muppets and, and Chris really Cooper good ones. Raps in it. Oh yeah, that's a, that that's weird. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's really that's funny. A, you know, it's not quite as good as Michael Caine singing. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really a wonderful movie. Brad, I want to know what you think about the Muppets coming back, and do you think it's possible? Um. It's possible. I. It's a little bit improbable. So you don't. You don't think that. That's what I mean. Like, do you think that a modern audience, that regular, today kids, would actually be interested in the Muppets? I feel like I'm out of touch to answer that. Oh, okay. It just. You know, watching in the past, what, 10, 15 years being irrelevant. This is like. I mean, I, I feel like they've done a better job marketing it. Um, as Disney. <laughs> as Disney. Yeah. So. Um. I. I think they're gonna. Like what? Like Muffs in Space? That made what six million dollars? Yeah. I saw but that. That in was the also really. I did too. But that and was I still was... marketed by Jim, like the Jim Henson Studio. So 
I feel like there's definitely a lot more attention built around this one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this well, is this is a make, better movie. It'll probably make yeah. forty million dollars this weekend. So I mean, if it has staying power, I think it'll be okay. Yeah. The question has to be like, will they make sequel or even better? Because I don't even want sequel. I want a I want a Muppet Show. Period. <laughs> well, they already tried to do that. Like, what in two thousand? They had Muppets Tonight. Really? Yeah. I don't and it lasted that. for like four episodes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I think the kids are just too trained to like accept uh, CGI as being cool. So um, yeah. Like I don't know. Growing up and even today, like watching puppets, I find them more convincing than most CGI characters. But <laughs> I think that's different from someone who started growing up with you know Toy Story and. Yeah. What was the original? What time period? I mean, like. What time slot was the original Muppet Show on? Uh, oh. 74 to 79. Or like, no, 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 no. She night, means like, like yeah. 10 o'clock at night or something. It was like a late night variety show. Yeah. So, you, it was that late? Yeah. Oh. It was actually That's geared towards adults. So kids are... Not kids. It's, it's geared towards adults. I was pretty sure it was like aimed at adults. Cause I just, yeah. Before so, I went, I read well, because, a little Yeah, because all, like, all the guests and stuff. Just make it for adults. Kids will watch it because... They like oh, watching yeah. what their parents well, watch. and yeah, I've heard people talk about the fact that like when they were kids, they didn't necessarily follow the movie and understand the, what the story that was going on. They just liked watching the Muppets. Like they they just paid attention to the puppets and thought the puppets were funny. And so, the entertainment for kids was just that. Because the truth is, you know, maybe half of the jokes in this movie are not even things that I think an, the average kid would yeah, laugh I feel at. Like the critics aren't aimed at children, so I don't. If it's if it was never aimed at children, then why are they trying at kids? I don't. Well, but it. I mean, it is aimed at children to a certain extent. I mean, it's it's puppets and their stories are purposely simple, and the the messages are childlike and innocent. Uh, I I think that like. Like when the when the original Muppet movie came out, I think that you took kids to see that movie. You enjoyed it too, but in the same way that now you take kids to see a Pixar movie. You see what I'm saying? Well, you're just talking about them making a Muppets TV show, and if I see, I see what you're saying. You're saying like if they made a Muppets TV show, it should be geared towards towards adults. I would put it on at about just before Craig Ferguson. I don't know, like. Well, then what's Dave gonna do? <laughs> Who cares? Um, I actually think they should embrace the nostalgia more. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, like go back to like the old '70s stuff. Get all those old get like maybe not all the old guests, but yeah. I mean, oh, well, John you, was a you get guest, Steve Martin, but half Steve some Martin, of those yeah. people are dead. But like John, yeah, like the, John, the get the parents a short before it was kind of cute. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I meant to talk about that in no one's watch. It wasn't as uh, I don't think it was as good as the Hawaiian one, but it was still kind of cute. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Buzz Lightyear gets left behind in a McDonald's type restaurant. Ew, I didn't he, see the Hawaiian one because Cars too. And uh, he talks uh, to all the toys that were rejected. So it's these really goofy toys. It's pretty funny, like the from the hamburger Happy Meals. <laughs> yeah, they sort of focus on a specific kind. <laughs> and of, yeah, the little uh, uh, Buzz Lightyear thing. sneaks in and goes home with yeah. uh, Boo. Or what is that girl's name? I can't um, name. Not Boo. Boo is Boo is from Monsters Inc. Um, huh, what is her name? I called her the best thing to ever happen to the I Toy know. Story movies. I can't remember her name. And you forgot Crap. her. Yeah. It's something with a B. No. Um, Baby. No. no. Daddy. Anyway. Anyways, and then the little um, <laughs> Buzz Lightyear is ice skating. It's really funny. Yeah, it is really good. It's not heartwarming and doesn't no, really cry. No, really, it's just cute. But it's just good. But I really thought it was clever that the credits they had 
the menu board was yeah. really funny. Like it, it was called the mace, and it's this piece of fried chicken that was shaped like a mace. The weapon. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> good. Pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, go see the Muppets. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Make uh, Kermit relevant. And there's a lot of good cameos in there too. There is. Uh, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't say them because a lot yeah. of them just you want to not know. Yeah. Because every now you know somebody will open a door and be like, "Hey, I'm here too," and you're like, "Ah, yeah. that guy." <laughs> you know. You know, take Manhattan, uh... dude. Hobo Joe. Yeah. You don't have to say who Hobo Joe yeah, is, Hobo but Joe's Hobo great. Joe is amazing. <laughs> oh, most especially because he brings the garbage can with him. Yeah. That is on fire. <laughs> okay. The garbage can should have Oscar in it. It'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, there aren't any Sesame Street characters. Oh, because Disney doesn't own them. I read. Oh, really? I read because uh, I was getting geared up for it, so I was reading. Um, all also, stuff. because they're not Muppets. And uh, originally, Jim Henson tried, was going to sell the Muppets to Disney in '89 for 150 million dollars, and then he died. Is it cold in here? Did someone leave the door open? Uh, he died of pneumonia. <laughs> I know. The fuck? It was horrible. Like, like, there are only so many days of my life that I remember before the age of, like, six or whatever, and one of them is the day Jim Henson died. Uh, like, I remember that. Yeah, no, I know. I remember that, too. Like, I was uh, on the way to school. We were just yeah. driving, pulling up to the bus stop. It, this is in Florida. Um, and yeah, that came on the radio. Yeah. I was an Dead infant being I babysat, what, yeah, what and I remember that. that. Ninety, I couldn't, ninety. Couldn't walk yet. Oh, wait, no, I was that before Ninja Turtles came out, or? Uh, no, I don't remember. Was I wasn't last, old enough to see PG movies. That was one of the last things he ever worked on. But uh, I was too. Anyways, part of the deal that Disney, when they bought all the Muppets, is they didn't get Sesame Street stayed part of Jim Henson, hmm. but Kermit could never appear on Sesame Street again. Oh. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, but if you've seen the uh, Muppets a Vision at Walt Disney World, it's pretty awesome. And there's clearly a lot of cameos that were cut out. Like, if you pay attention closely, you can see... I didn't catch it, but my dad did. Like, Ricky Gervais is in the last dance, uh, dance sequence because he had a scene that was cut. Danny Trejo was supposed to be in the movie, but he's cut. Um, yeah. Which is actually kind of good because those are the ones that you knew... The cameos you knew going in, and then they aren't there. So the actual cameos are... A little more special. And I'm really hoping that the Blu-ray will be in a green case. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, anyway. go see the Muppets. Absolutely. Uh, Have a nice week. What are we seeing next week? I don't know. My laptop died. Okay, so I'm going to look up the show times or the week times. And click, you, click, click. You this talk about where we got to go. Yeah. Uh, find well, stuff. But it's, yeah, yeah. List, yeah off, it. yeah. list off the where to find things. Okay, cool. Tell me when you report. Okay, just go now. Yeah. <laughs> you can like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Real underscore Nerds. You can also read our awesome blogs. Like this week I wrote, who should be in the uh, Uncharted movie at realnerds.tumblr.com. You can also email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Like Aaron did. Aaron emailed that was us. So Thank nice. you, Aaron. And she, you know, brought up some points. Not good ones, but you know what? <laughs> Um, hopefully that's the last time I'll ever talk about Twilight on this podcast. It won't be. It won't um, be because it's an And if she wants, if she wants to, she can get me to buy her a ticket to go see with see a movie with Brad. Take her to go see Shame. <laughs> oh god, that won't be awkward. Oh That'd be man, awesome. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it looks like um, Hugo, because uh, unless you want to see um, Shame, shame. Or... unless uh, Shame comes out here in the nine theaters, it is nationwide. Yeah. Denver. 
so I don't really want to see Shane. Sorry, Sierra. Okay. <laughs> you might maybe may I'll watch the trailer again and maybe you'll be able to convince me. <laughs> but I think as a podcast we ought to go see Hugo. Okay. It's just then a question of whether or not we see it in three D. I mean it's which fine we can by me. we can spend the next week talking about. Yeah. Also I like movies, so I'll see anything. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. I like their moving pictures. Yeah. Plus, it's like a movie about making movies. Like, it's about the history of film to some extent. Spoilers. Yeah. No, 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 not shame. (laughs) Not shame. (laughs) Like, the second half of Hugo is really about, like, the history of filmmaking. Kind of like Be Kind Rewind. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, yeah, for sure. Hey, speaking of Jack Black, see you next week. Ah. (laughs) See ya. Bye.